0: Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by stuttering specialist, Lori Melnitsky to discuss stuttering and acceptance. Hi, how are you? Hi, thank you
1: so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. We're
0: excited you're here. So let's start off by having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit
1: about who you are, what you do. Okay, so... My name is Laurie Malnitsky. Um, I've been a speech-language pathologist for over 30 years, um, a long time, and I've specialized in stuttering for around 22 of those years. Okay. When I was young, I stuttered very severely, and I honestly never thought I would become a speech pathologist, no less a stuttering specialist. So you never know in life. Um, I do direct all-island speech and stuttering therapy. We are physically located in New York, but we do a lot of virtual telehealth now in many states, Um, and we do work with children and adults. Oh, very cool. Okay,
0: Okay, so you said you're in New New Jersey,
1: right? (laughs) Uh, no, I'm physically in New York. We oh, are New York. Licensed, though in New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Pennsylvania, and California. You're awesome.
0: Okay, cool. Okay, so New York. Um, And I'll make sure to link your practice in the Thank show you. notes so people can find you. With. Yeah, of course. Um, So like you said before, you were like, I don't think I ever thought I'd be an SLP. So why did you decide to pursue that degree?
1: So it's, you know, it was really like a long journey. I actually became an accountant. Um oh, wow. I was an, yeah, I was an accountant for five years. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I will say, you know, honestly, I I was stuttering pretty severely at that point. I was, you know, having a hard time really communicating. I don't know if I chose it because I thought it was c- kind of hiding in a mm-hmm. way. Um and then I had started to, I was like always involved in support and practice groups, especially for people who stutter. So I got like really, really interested in that. And I decided to go back for my master's. Um it was a long journey because when I went back for my master's, a lot of speech professors said I stuttered too much and it would never happen. Oh. So it was, um, but you know, I overcame that and I ever right. used to, need to really help others. Um, I don't think I knew that yeah. when I was young. Yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. Well, that's really interesting. We had another, um, person on the podcast who stutters. And so he, he said a similar thing where he was like, luckily I had really great professors that, um, were like helping me along my journey and. When I would stutter in some people's classes, they would say, like, you stutter too much. But in others, they would, like, understand and, you know, didn't use it as, like, a stopping block. Um, so it's frustrating to hear that that's, like, kind of a common thing among professors. And I wish that they would, like, get over that in their brains. <laughs> you know what I mean? I
1: think, yeah. I mean, I think stuttering so so... Um misunderstood i Mm. i forgot to mention i also run a a a facebook group called stuttering demystified for speech pathologists also and i was i taught um you know on the university level for a while and i and i think there's such a misunderstanding of stuttering and you're you're right i mean i would hope that when we go and become you know educated that we really want to be in Encouraged <laughs> and right. so others. I was very lucky that I had had a close friend who stuttered, also, who happened to be a speech pathologist, so yeah. I didn't feel that alone. And I kind of always had this in me like, this is what I wanted, and right. you're not me. So, you know, hopefully, they follow me now and have learned. Yeah, that's awesome. So, but wait, wait, hold on. I want to say, I did. Transfer schools, and I graduated from Hofstra, and Hofstra on Long, Long Island actually encouraged me. So, okay, the one where I got my master's, like, really, really helped me a lot. Okay, very good to hear. Yeah, well,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so do you want to tell us a, just a small bit about your personal experience with stuttering, other
1: than college, maybe? Um, yeah. So basically, I mean, do you, you want to hear like? when i was younger sure and i started yes. so yeah i mean i started stuttering like at the age of 4 my father started also so i i kind of like um became aware of it early mm-hmm. on and i don't know i knew like it wasn't <laughs> an acceptable thing early mm-hmm. on so i like always you know i i will say i was like always social and i always had friends and i worked since the age of 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to work in my father's store and he was, uh, he is, well, he's a retired pharmacist. And I, I almost felt like I was always hiding because I did. I, I blocked a lot. I mean, my vocal cords would block a lot. Mm -hmm. So, um, I couldn't really accept that. And that's what I wanted to say. I mean, I, couldn't accept that I stuttered because I wouldn't have been able to really communicate. And they didn't know that much about stuttering, Mm -hmm. um, at that point. Um, so I, I didn't really, I mean, I, I really felt like it, like held me back. I couldn't, I never, ever asked a question in school, not, not even my master's, um, So it it wasn't until, like, my 20s where I just kept going for intensive therapy. But there Mm -hmm. were a lot of emotions behind it also. So it definitely affected my ability to communicate. Um, I, like, always felt like, you know, if I could stop stuttering tomorrow, you know, everything in my life would change. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, obviously is... I got older, I realized there were other things, and then when I had kids, my older daughter started stuttering also, yeah, so um, and stopped. but wow. um, yeah, yeah, she actually did, so you know, it definitely runs in my family, mm-hmm. um, and there is a lot of you know stuttering's not really understood because. To me, no matter what anyone says, I don't think I don't think stuttering is considered socially acceptable because you know people don't understand it. So if right. you go to a restaurant and you open up your mouth and no words come out, you know you, you're you're always dealing with the reactions of others, right? Which is frustrating and
0: like shouldn't be the case, but it's just interesting so you, you said um we obviously like don't necessarily understand stuttering as like a majority in the world right but do we know why like people stutter in general like it's kind of maybe like a scientific reason
1: so this is like always a hard thing and i'm just gonna give a general no okay. <laughs> but i'm gonna say like We know there's some kind of, you know, mistiming in the brain, Um, you know, from some MRIs. We know if you have a history in the family, you're more at risk. We know if you start like after age three and a half, you're more at risk. I mean, a a lot of kids go through, you know, what we call developmental stuttering and they're Mm -hmm. repeating whole words. But to be honest, we don't know. Right. the exact reason why um and it's like really hard knowing I mean but definitely the ones who have, who have a history in the family we sort of have to watch out for more right.
0: yeah and you mentioned you said you went to therapy more in like your 20s and i want to know what that therapy was like and also I know that you do acceptance therapy so I want to know if they were the same or if you did different
1: things and what they are so this is interesting so I don't really do well. All right. I'll, I'll explain that. Yes and no. Okay. (laughs) Um, Because the only reason I'm saying this is because I think if people hear that they're going to go online and Google, okay. See what acceptance therapy is. And so when I started in my twenties and I believe it then, and I believe it now that you need as an adult for the most part, you need more intensive therapy. Oh, wow. So when I, yeah, be, because you can't change how you speak in once each week. I right. I don't believe, I mean, that's fine with my teenagers, but it becomes much harder with adults. So I went for a three-week intensive program um away, and... It was a very like mechanical program. It did not deal with the emotions of stuttering. Mm-hmm. So, like I, I went, I went to this program. It was down south. Everyone spoke like really slow, and I was with like maybe you know eight other people who stutter. Right, so I was pretty fl- fluent there. But I came back to New York, and I just like crashed. Yeah, um, because I didn't really, you know, I still had the emotional aspect of it I had never like really this sounds kind of odd probably but I had never like sat down with people and had like these formal conversations um I almost didn't know the art of speaking if that like makes sense because I had avoided it so it was a little hard because I was still an accountant and once you feel that feeling of fluency, I mean, right. it's something I never really had before. And, you know, everybody was like all excited for me. And then like a week or two later, I started crashing. So um, there were a few years there where I just couldn't get it back. Mm-hmm. Um, so ex- acceptance at that time wasn't like really a big thing thing what I mean by acceptance is like you have to accept what you know we all have to kind of accept what we have but right what I say is you can accept it but then you have to figure out if you want to work hard at it yeah and I wasn't ready to give up I mean um so I just kept like trying to find other things um I did finally find um Oh, woman, I can't even mention her. Her name is Catherine Montgomery. She um, unfortunately passed away, but oh. she happened to be like one of the only spe- <clears throat> speech pathologists I knew who, who did not stutter, who really understood it. Okay. And I kept at it um and it got like better and better i would say like actually you know i got over the emotional because i tried to the more i would push myself out there to do public speaking and i was a professor at a university the more i pushed myself out there the more i got o- over fears and yeah, i can say i definitely learned how to speak i mean i definitely and i think it's what i teach um everyone I know who stutters um you know I teach them how to like um say their sounds easier kind of combine their words but it's really really like hard work yeah there's a big thing um the reason why I say this there's a really big thing I find in the speech field like people are telling other people like it is what it is and you have to accept. And I find that very harmful, especially for young kids, because young kids have a chance, especially up to age seven or eight, to possibly not stutter or eliminate it, or mm-hmm. make it like more mild. Yes. And even at older ages, we, you can really learn how to manage it. So I think we we, we just have to watch because I don't think it's really our right to tell another person that they have to accept something that really bothers them, especially when there is help right there. So I, that's kind of where I am. So, you know, I do speak to people about stuttering. We talk about the reactions. We actually run a um, monthly support and practice group every month for adults, but most of the people who come to me, you know, they want to be more fluent. and I right. think that's they're right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So, what does a typical
0: session look like for you guys in the clinic? Sorry if I assumed that you guys did acceptance therapy. Um, what does that yeah, normally look like?
1: No, I am. I am actually happy you you had asked me. And 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 I think when I when I submitted the topic, I didn't know exactly. I had to say it so I'm so glad you 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 asked me so when well it's very (coughs) excuse me um I mean it's very different when you're dealing I mean kids young kids always have parents there Mm -hmm. um uh older teenagers we do a lot online um you know we do a lot of structured practice and then we get into conversational speech but for adults i do a program called mpi which is modified phonation intervals and it really like re-teaches you how to speak in a three-week well two to three-week intensive manner five times each week uh, two hours every day and then i mean i'm like yeah, it is a lot. But when you when you start to feel that feeling of fluency, you want it even more. Right. Um, and that's been like, you know, really helpful that we can do it over at telehealth now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it provides a lot more options. But I just think adults get very frustrated. Like I used to see adults once each week and they would get very Frustrated because it would take them so long to like mm-hmm. feel any kind of fluency and then I usually you know try and get them into real life situations whether it's talking to family members whether it's going out to a restaurant whether it's calling places on this on the phone which is not that easy anymore because nobody answers yeah. <laughs> so it's getting sure. like harder I'm like yeah. Wait a minute, yeah
0: Wow. Okay. So your adult sessions, it's interesting, like hearing how intensive the adult sessions are, because with us, we do, you know, we do a lot of things in speech, but um, we focus a lot on dyslexia. So our kids come in for intensive as well. It's much longer because, you know, dyslexia is like, you have to learn how to read is similar, but um, it's just interesting to hear that at the adult level, it also has to be just as intensive and it totally makes sense um so with your do you have kids that come in for speech as well or for stuttering therapy
1: yeah i mean i would say 80 percent of them now are online oh wow Um, okay yeah it's a it's a huge percent I, i mean you know, I'm in the New York area. I think it's, um, you know, a big thing in our area. I personally find it works easier online because yeah. with kids, I need to spend time with parents and I need to explain what the program is. So it yeah. gives me that time to explain it with them. I would say when you're under eight, the parent involvement is like number one. I yeah, mean, that's what's going to ask huge 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 um and it's funny because my younger daughter who's much older now has dyslexia also and um and i I, it's like i look you know i i learned a lot with her also because certain things have to be done more intensively Mm -hmm. because you can't like rewire things you can't change things you know just once each week but the kids um you know up until eight the parents you know always come into the therapy session at the end whether it's in person or online um and I I always talk on my podcast like I think in stuttering therapy we forget about parents it's like they worry I mean, I'm a mother and they, and we worry and our anxiety, if it's like not dealt with and we don't understand how to help really impacts everything. So I really, um, you know, try and include that. And most of the teenagers are like with me because they want it. You know what I mean? So they're really becoming like more motivated when they're in high school. Yeah. That's like, you know, when it really hits. Right what ends up happening when the parents come in? What do you, like, what do you tell them? Like how to support their child? Well, I always, you know, educate them on stuttering. Um, Like don't interrupt, allow for more time because there's a lot of rushing. I mean, I think our days are spent rushing from like school to after school. But if someone's having trouble speaking and we're rushing around, They're not going to have enough. These kids, adults, they're not going to have enough time to really express what they want. And it's going to make stuttering worse. You know, don't interrupt them. Um, You know, be encouraging. Um, I mean, sometimes you sort of have to educate. They have to, like, know how to educate relatives. You know, who yeah. commenting, you know, stop, wait. Um, I mean, I really try, you know, once you get into like the middle school, high school years, it's a lot harder having parents there be sure. age. <laughs> so you yeah. know, if I'm gonna speak with them, I usually speak with them on their own. But I usually try and explain. I mean, you know, if they're young, here are some things that will help them at US at at home i follow a program called litcom um it's a bit, very parent run program okay and you know the younger kids don't ne- necessarily only have stuttering i mean i'm certified in prompt therapy also you know oral oral motor stuff so right. you know they're all you know they're mispronouncing words um, you know, and I find a lot of younger kids, like, they might have, like, great vocabulary, but they don't know how to tell a story. Right.
0: Um, Which is so interesting. <laughs> um, okay, so I think one of the things that really interests me is how you teach parents to then talk to relatives about stuttering. We just did a similar thing for parents of kids with dyslexia, like, you know, relatives ask and it's like the holidays. And so there are a lot of family members that might be coming around and all that stuff. So this is kind of the perfect time for that discussion. So what do you end up
1: telling parents? Like when you talk to their uncle, tell them XYZ. So you know, I try and say like make it simple. I mean, I actually have tips. So I'll kind of oh, okay. hand it to them. Um And, but I usually say, because I think, you know, I've like noticed this, like a a relative will come over and say like, oh, you know, I, I notice, um, whatever, you know, Anthony is stuttering a lot. Oh, I notice they're stuttering more. And I always say, you know, one of you have to set boundaries because you don't necessarily go over and say, oh, you, you know, I I I mean you might, but you know, say, oh, you, you know, I I noticed, you know, Anthony got like really heavy. Um right. right. So we don't so I always say, you know, you, you just have to, you know, explain to parents, you know, allow them some extra time to speak, but they they are stuttering and that is something they're doing. And we don't always have to like point out things that we know. Right. So, you know, and and of course, everyone has very different family dynamics. Of course. (laughs) Um, You know, but I think the most important thing is, you know, just to try and let them finish. And I think like, also it's kind of helpful if you're in a big like family gathering, see if you can get some one-on-one time. Because, you know, if you're in a huge family gathering and, you know, er- everyone's throwing in words here and there, right. they're, they're not going to have a minute to really speak. But a lot of, you know, wait it out, establish eye contact, let them finish, don't comment, Right, just let them finish. Because the more people who stutter know that you're not going to interrupt, believe it or not. Right they're not going to feel that time pressure if they hear like slow down take a breath because it's a big thing people say slow down take a breath but i don't know about you but if like someone tells me like slow down and relax it makes me like more nervous
0: yes it does
1: Yeah, Yeah, i'm with you (laughs) yeah so
0: (laughs) okay so that's great advice um It is interesting. Like you said, like you wouldn't go over to someone else's house and say, like, you wouldn't say something like that. So it's important to hear, like, you're allowed to remind people like, hey, yeah, that is something that's happening. But, you know, just give them some more time and you don't always have to bring everything up that you see. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. Right.
0: Um, So I think our last thing that I have on here is what should... Teachers know about their student who stutters? Maybe like something that the parents can tell them, or if there's something like you were saying with high school students, if they want to self advocate, what would you tell them to say to their teachers?
1: So, um, you know, in school, especially you know, high school, I do encourage. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because I came from a time where you just kind of had a do where you, I mean, like nobody really advocated. Um, So, you know, I was kind of pushed in front of the class and I think about it now, Um, you know, was it helpful or not? So I do I, encourage them, you know, especially when they get into high school, if you're not comfortable speaking to them directly. I mean, I do encourage, you know, parents not to do this unless they have to. I encourage them send in email mm, um, yes. you know if participation really counts then i i i i would speak to the teacher about it i mean sometimes if you're doing a presentation and um i mean i don't think a lot of us like you know whether we stutter a lot i don't think a lot of us learn public speaking skills so <laughs> so and especially when you stutter but i don't think that's all. I think a lot of us don't know, you know, public speaking. So yeah. um, you know, I would definitely say, you know, if if you get that nervous, you know, is there any way I can do the presentation with you and I alone? Right. Um, you want to watch if they're really being penalized for right. or because there are ways of getting like a 504 Um, I mean, I do encourage them to, you know, you don't, you don't want to not do it. (laughs) So, so, but if the anxiety is like really, really high, you know, send them an email, you know, hi, this is who I am. I'm in your class. You know, I just want to tell you, and I'm not going to, you know, I want to tell you I stutter and there's like, you know, nothing wrong with even attaching a link from like the stuttering Foundation of America oh, yeah. or the National stuttering Association um or there's another organization friends who stutter um there's there's nothing wrong with you know attaching some information because I think right. we we all have to learn and we yeah. all have to e- educate but you really don't want the them being penalized if they can participate and i mean i would get the parents involved if you like really really have to right i just think it's it's good preparation as you're getting older to try and you know advocate for Mm -hmm. yourself more
0: yeah and it's good to know i forgot that that could be something that's on a 504 plan if absolutely necessary um so it's a good reminder too like if people are already in the works of getting, you know, accommodations for a child that could be on the list.
1: Yeah. I mean, I always hope though, you shouldn't really have to have a 504. I mean, if, if you're speaking to someone and you say, I'm like, you know, having a hard time communicating, you know, right. it would be better if you like, you know, had that real relationship with the teachers. But if, you know, if you need that legally behind you. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: perfect. Well, I think those are all my questions for you. Did you have anything else you wanted to add?
1: Um, yeah, I guess the only thing is uh, is that you know there there really is help for st- for stuttering, and I really really like could not communicate and. Like I said, I think that, and you know, I, I think also a lot of things in our lives happen developmentally. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're not ready. So, you know, if you're doing something for stuttering and it's like not working, keep looking and always try and find someone who has some experience or a lot of experience yeah. in stuttering. And there are there there are only a small percentage of us, but we are out there. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. And thanks so much to everyone for
0: listening. Make sure to leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast and don't forget to subscribe. Have a great rest of your day.